to Horsefly Chronicles Radio with Julia and Philip Siracusa, sponsored by Carnation, airing live on the United Public Radio Network on 105.3 FM in New Orleans. This show's entrance has been edited, produced, and directed by Gwen Clapper from Perfect Trust Productions, LLC. You can find us at perfecttrustproductions.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Monday night's segment of Horsefly Chronicles Radio with myself, Julia Syracusa, and Phil Syracusa. We're broadcasting live from the International Public Radio and the United Paranormal Radio Network on 105.3 FM from New Orleans. This evening's show is fully sponsored by Carnation, so we want to thank them for their sponsorship. You'll have to do a few things in order to participate. Go over to YouTube channel. UFO Paranormal Radio or International Public Radio. You can also go into all of the Facebook stations, UFO Paranormal Radio Network, UFO Undercover with Joe Montaldo, News on the Flip Side, Twitch, SoundCloud, and Podbean. You can also go over to our group, Porcelain Chronicles Radio. And also, um, we are live on Roku, which is very exciting. And if you have any questions for our guest tonight, please so Phil, how are you doing tonight? Good. How are you? Good. I feel like you're not in the same house. So guys, please welcome to the show TT Moonflyer. TT grew up with very open-minded parents who had many experiences with UFOs and the paranormal. Because of her mom's insistence on exposing her to spiritual classes meditation and the teachings of Edgar Cayce. Dee has a deep interest in the paranormal. Her own paranormal experiences have led her to seek out and interview other fantastic and knowledgeable people in the paranormal on her very own show, Twilight Tonight, on WLTDB.com every Friday night at 6 p.m. So we just want to welcome her to the show. And she will be there. She is. How are you? <laughs> nice to see you in person. Nice to see you. Thank you so much for coming on tonight. Of course. My pleasure. We really appreciate oh. it. So, Dee uh-huh. <laughs> take us from, you got a um, nice, got some bio over here. So take us to the, to the beginning of your story. You know, how was it growing up with parents who really believed in the paranormal and we're so like you know really into having you learn about it as well I mean not a lot of us have that yeah I had an amazing mom my dad was very open-minded too but my mom was hugely open-minded um I grew up very catholic for the first Mm -hmm. 13 years but my mom studied Edgar Casey meditation 
Um, she was a big believer in UFOs. She saw one when she was pregnant with me. Wow. And she's from upstate New York. So I don't know if you guys know where Pot- Potsdam is, Lake Placid um, area. That's and St. Clair and St. Ridges Falls area. Okay. She was driving when she was about seven months pregnant with me. Her in another car pulled over, looked up, and it just, she said it hovered. And wow. all through, yeah, all through my childhood, we had experiences with these. Oh. And yeah. So she, she was an amazing woman. She never called it paranormal. She called it nature, part of nature. It was part of who and what we were. So I think she did that so I would never be frightened of things I saw. Right, right. Wow. And do you think that um, maybe you guys were seeing some of the things because she was so, she had experiences of her own? Do you think maybe they were like, you know, following you kind of? Well, it is interesting and I'm coming out more and more and being more open about the things that had happened. And as of course, like everybody else, that's why I started the podcast so I could be comfortable to talk to people about this and not feel odd about it or Mm -hmm. there was something wrong with me. Um, I can remember being four or five and having these visitors in my window of a second story apartment telling me things about weather patterns. Wow. And they look like puppets. So as a child, I thought this was normal, but I also would look down and say to myself even as like a five-year-old kid like this is we're in a second story and these puppets are up here telling me and showing me weather patterns now was it a dream it sure felt real to me and it followed me and they got stronger and then when we moved to wadsworth ohio we had an experience where our whole house lit up in the the 70s I think it was I was in kindergarten so it had to be 77 around that time period that that happens and she grabbed me and we hid underneath the windowsill and and it continued throughout my adolescence and in my 20s and in my 30s so yeah that's really interesting I know that Phil also has been, you know, had had many, many experiences. and Yeah, when I was seven years old, I had an encounter. It's funny she said through the window because I remember that through the window. Yeah. And the being had on a helmet and he was was in a white suit and he's like, I can't show you what I look like. I'll I'll scare you. And then he was telling me things through mental telepathy. I was seven years old in Staten Island, New York. So I do remember that. And, and I hear these stories every so often, and it makes me feel like some of us um, are being watched and tracked or a part of them. Now, I've talked to people who study ufology and the Galactic Federation, and they go, the reason that certain people follow or connected to that is because you're part of them. Um, yeah. Generation. Yeah. Sorry about that. It's amazing. You it's know, very I, interesting too. I've heard it so many times. 
Um, do you feel like you have more of an awareness of nature, the way your mom would put it, because of the encounters? I think, I think so. Um, I had a, a definite fear. Um, I think my worst experience was in New York State with them or it or whatever it was. I was 16 and I was going to bed. And being a 16 year old up in St. Clair, it is like, it was at the time 20 houses. They were all my relatives in one little Catholic church and the rest, the St. Lawrence River was there. And at night it was very quiet, very dark. I mean, you could see all the stars. I went to bed and it must've been about 10 o'clock and I was wide awake and I laid down and all of a sudden I could not move. And in the corner of the room was a small being coming toward me and I lost it. It was the first time I actually had seen something like that. I had other experiences prior to that, um, but not quite as extreme as that one. And I screamed, I got loose, screamed, flew over my mother basically. And the whole trip was fear-based at night. I had trouble sleeping. I was frightened of these. I looked for them in the daytime. Mm -hmm. And the only thing as a kid, being 16 back then, you remember Salem's Lot, the ball yep. vampire? It was much smaller, but in my 16 year old mind, that's what it was. And my mom's like, that's not what that was. <laughs> I was like, but it reminded me of that. And they were very intrusive, whatever they were, very intrusive. What do you mean by intrusive? Um, they would show up and I would just be very frightened, very, very frightened for years of these things. And it, it got worse in my 20s. And then it died down for a while. Do they so talk to it, you? They did, but not as themselves. That was the weird thought thing that happened throughout my life. I always went to bed like I was being called to bed. Like, I have to go to bed. I have to. No matter what was going on, I had to go to bed. I'd fall into like a sleep and I would see math equations and weather patterns every time, which I thought and still think that's the weirdest thing to see something like that. I'd fall asleep and they'd come, whatever it was. And they always came as my doctor for a long time. Always as my doctor. Wow. And, and that was fascinating because when I was in my 20s, I did lose a child. And I had to have surgeries. But in these particular dreams or whatever they were, I was having surgeries. And I could feel pressure the whole nine yards. And always at the end, it would be my doctor in a really cold voice saying, you're going to be okay now. It's done. So... With that, I always had my mom to talk to because of her experiences, both, you know, with, with the be with the creatures or the beings, I call them visitors. And with what people call the paranormal, I always could talk to her. Like, I don't know what just happened. Mm -hmm. So these were really intense experiences and they happened when I never expected them. Like I couldn't plan this stuff out. Yeah. Well, that's what happens. It, it happens when you least expect it. Yeah. 
And same thing in our house. My mom was very, very good at communicating with people who had passed over. And, you know, we would see things together. Me and her together saw a lot when I was growing up. We were like each other's best friends in this. Because who are you going to talk to? It was the 80s. (laughs) You know, even though that was becoming more normal, it still was not normal to go out like it is now and go, I think I've seen a UFO and people now are more open to it than they were back then. Even when Whitley's book came out, you know, and described what the visitors look like, people were still on edge over that. Yeah. Like, oh, no, those don't exist. You don't see little green men. You don't see, you don't see any of that. That's just your, there's something wrong with you. And as you know, with your guys' experiences, how that feels. Yeah. Yeah, especially in the 80s. I mean, I had a lot of similar experiences to what you're saying. And it's like, you know, as you get older, you don't try to prove anything. If you're open-minded and can understand what we're talking about, it's great. If not, especially back in the day, it was hard. You tell you, you know, people that, oh, I see a UFO. Who's going to believe you? I see the goat, you know. Today, it's more, yeah. Yeah, I seen that book lift up, you know. (laughs) They're like, no, you didn't. I like, yes, we did. <laughs> We've seen, you know, I think thanks to shows like this and even TV shows, I think people are becoming more and more vocal about what has happened to them. Yes. So I find that very interesting. Well, if you really think about it, we're never taught anything. Unless, like you said, you have parents that, we're into the paranormal and, and seeing UFOs and whatnot, but you're not taught anything, you know, especially when you go to school and no one believes it. So no one teaches it because no one, no one understands it. Right. Me personally, I'm a hands-on person. If I don't see it, I don't believe it. I don't read about it. I want to see it. I want to experience it. That's how my life has always been. Um, yeah. You know, and I can tell, you know, and for some people still have, close minds and say, oh, that's doesn't aliens don't exist or they do, but can't prove it, you know, unless they want to prove it to you, you know. I don't think there's a reason for them to prove it either. Some of us are have that connection to them. Um, yeah, I don't think it sounds like what you you were getting was downloads of information, weather patterns and numbers. I've heard of this mm-hmm. before. It's um it's like the movie Knowing with uh, Christopher, uh, what's his name? No, Nicholas Cage. Oh. <laughs> Nicholas Cage. I didn't Knowing. think of that. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Mathematical formulas and everything. You better let us know if the world's coming to an end soon. <laughs> you know, and the funny thing is I'm more frightened of them. So withholding that information didn't happen. Like I remember actually running out of the room because the, the, it almost was like night terrors for a long time. And I remember running out of the house and my husband's best friend caught me before I flew off with the steps off the front porch. So it was more frightening for me because I didn't like the idea of not being able to move is the first thing. And they call it sleep paralysis. And I thought for years, maybe I'm just having night terrors or sleep paralysis. Yeah. So, but they had a different, you know, pattern to them probably so many so many kids back in that time the 70s and the 80s this is probably was you know it could have been happening to them and 
you know, they didn't know it. Their parents, you know, just probably believed they were having bad dreams. Um, sure. Sad. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting, too, because when you talk to people that have these experiences, everybody has very similar experiences, including seeing people that they know with really cold voices, um, time loss. Now, I, to my knowledge, I've never had the time loss that some people have had. Yeah. Um, but my husband got really, really obsessed with UFOs for a short time when when it was very active out of the blue, he read all the books he could and we really didn't discuss it very much, but then he got very obsessed. So I I always thought that was interesting. Yeah. I think that's how this kind of works too. Do you ever find yourself just getting so many people just find, they get so obsessed with just like the whole UFOs and paranormal. So it becomes, you know, who do we have on our show? I think it said that, something like that. You get an obsession, like an obsession. Yeah. yeah. And I, I got so busy at a certain point in my life, I, try, I tried to shut everything down. Yeah. Being a professional dancer, I traveled, and I just was so busy, and on purpose, I shut everything down. You have to block it off, because if you don't... Yeah. It's just, it becomes too much. I want to say hi to Robert White. He is in chat. Hello. How are you tonight? Um, yeah, you're also, a, yes, a professional dancer. I mean, how how did this all start for you? Um, as a child, I was obsessed with dance. Um, I was very dyslexic. I am very dyslexic. I'm very open about that. And in school, I couldn't do school, obviously but I could do one thing, I could dance. (laughs) So I was obsessed, even as a kid, I would practice dance four hours a day from second grade up. I'd come home and I would dance. And I ended up taking lessons in the Dayton Ballet and my parents just ran out of money. It was so expensive. Mm -hmm. And then I saw a TV show, National Geographic, about a dancer named Lucy, a belly dancer at 14. And I became obsessed obsessed with not just the dance the people the Mm. music and then I became a professional belly dancer for 30 years wow so I traveled I danced and performed and taught in Turkey Um, I did Egyptian weddings I did all kinds of stuff it was my love it was part of my livelihood I taught at a college for 20 years Wow, so, so exciting. Yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about your radio show. Um, uh-huh. You are such an amazing host. I mean, I mean so many of us go into, you know, radio because of what we've been through. And sure. I think that's been your experience, too. I mean, have you mm-hmm. must have met so many people. And how did this all start? Well, I have two shows. I have Twilight yes. Tonight with Todd Bates, which mm-hmm. I love working with him. Yes. Um, and then yeah. I have Twilight Tonic Paranormal Podcast. Okay. Um, I retired from dance and I always was interested in podcasting for about 10 years. Um, the first podcast I heard 10 years ago was Jim Harold. And I became obsessed. I didn't know it existed. Yeah. 
I was like, I retired from dance and you go through all those emotions of taking 30 years of your life and trying to develop something else that's going to make you happy. Yeah. Because dance is all consuming. It's, it's, it's very ethereal and it, your soul expresses. I didn't know what to do with myself, you know, <laughs> it was like, so I looked at my husband who, who's a rock musician most of his life. And I go, I want a podcast. And he looks at me very puzzled. <laughs> what about? And I go, well, I know there's more people that have experiences like I've had. I want a paranormal podcast. <laughs> so next thing I know, he brings home a Zoom, sets it on the table, and I'm podcasting. Wow. Scared to death. I'm scared <laughs> to death. I can't handle to listen to my voice. So, yeah, two years. It would be two years this year. Wow. Oh, wow. You learn a lot when you, when you interview a lot of people and you realize that so many people have experiences no. like mm -hmm. yourself. Absolutely. And you're like, well, I'm not alone. No one's going to talk about it on the news. They're not going to say ghosts are real and aliens are real, even though the sightings are starting to show now. But, you know. Yeah. You talk to people who experience this stuff, myself, my wife, yourself, and so many people, and professional um, athletes and um, celebrities and uh, all walks of life. And, and you'd be surprised that it's such a wide, broad spectrum that is unexplainable, but yet mm -hmm. it's true within our reality. And yeah. um we take this and we learn from it and share that knowledge, right? With other people that are going through similar things that you're not alone. Yeah, exactly. And it makes you feel better. It doesn't make you feel like you're in this small bubble. It does. It, does. it makes you feel like, you know, you're exactly. You're not alone and there's other people going through this and, you know, it's, it's hard on their families or children and it's, you know, it's really good to have, you know, the outlet that we have, that we can talk to people going through the same things we are. And it always oh, starts from a child, right? It always starts when you're young and you're a kid. Yeah. And when you're a kid, it's almost normal. Yeah. Because kids have that open heart and open mind. And my mom said she'd come in the room and I had a thing for my rosaries when I was a kid. I loved rosaries and I'd sleep with them. I had them on me all the time. And she said she would walk in the room and the rosary would slide across the dresser. And as a kid, I didn't see that. Wow. You know, I thought it was, I was playing. Right. You know, I didn't know. I didn't know. I thought that was normal. You know, but it was my mother that probably instilled that in me. So I would not be frightened. Okay. Now, was your house, obviously your house had activity. Um, mm -hmm. Do you know what was there in the childhood home? Well, we moved quite a bit. My father was transferred a lot. So in Wandsworth, I think there was something in the house but it didn't affect me. Um, I would always see, 
one person a lot when I was a kid and I think it belonged with my mother and that was a guy that he looked like he was from the 30s dressed with the hat and stuff and he would always watch over my mother okay I always saw him quite a bit um and I would also see people walk in and out of the houses because we also lived in several apartment complexes so quite often I would just see somebody walk by and didn't think about it. Now, when I was older, both of my houses had somebody in it. Um, the first house when I was married, I called him the kitchen ghost. Mm-hmm. Because every time I cooked, if I made chili or homemade spaghetti sauce, lasagna, something that took a long time to cook, he would peek around the corner from the basement. And all my friends would see him. He had curly hair, dark. And if I was slow cooking something, that little bugger, he would be, he'd just peek around the corner real fast. <laughs> Only when I was cooking. Only. So, and we, we adored him because we called him, you know, the kitchen ghost. He liked to eat. Yeah. The second house drove us all nuts. Yeah. Um, it would always sound like someone would open the door, come in, walk across, the dogs would acknowledge it. There was nobody there. And the basement had something that would chase you up the steps. The interesting thing, six months before my brother died, we had the doorbell ring. We had the garage door open at three in the morning. And it sounded like someone was coming up to the bedroom, like running to the point my husband would grab something to hit somebody. And that subsided after my brother passed. Huh. So I think it, I was something was trying to tell us something we weren't listening the way it thought. So it was going to extremes. Um, the door and the walking across the room continued and the chasing up the steps continued in that house. And that was in Ohio. That was in Dayton. Here we have a ghost kitty. Oh. And that's it. The house is very happy. It's very settled. Nothing bothers us. And if it does, it's a walkthrough. Okay. So it's less stressful for me. Yeah. Now. So you so. basically can see, I mean, everywhere that you've lived, you've basically have saw something. Yeah. 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 And I think that's... that stems from childhood, you know? Yeah. It's okay if you see that. <laughs> It's nothing. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, I know that you had your mom, but did you ever tell any of your friends the things that were going Hell happen? yeah. That's when it got complicated because kids yeah. don't understand. Yeah. And I learned to be quiet very quickly. I think because I was so dyslexic, I was picked on. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. learn to be more quiet. And I think you also will develop different abilities when you have dyslexia because you have to read the room really well. You have to be able to pick up on what people are thinking to survive. Yes. So I think that's what happens. That's crazy. Let me see. I think if I can see this. Um, It gives validation that you are not going crazy. Robert White said yes. It, it definitely, definitely does, Robert. Get validation. I'm interested in the kitchen ghost. Oh, <laughs> he was so great. I loved him. You knew that. I mean, if he's if there's going to be a kitchen ghost, they should you know help out with 
everything, like the cooking and the cleaning and all that fun stuff. <laughs> he just wanted to smell, I think. Yeah. <laughs> he was, um, it was so funny. One of my girlfriends that's really close, her name's Julie, and she'd come over and she would see him. She'd like, oh God. I'm like, what? Yeah. She goes, what is that peeking around the corner? I said, oh, that's the kitchen gust. That's and the best smart. smart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When your friends can see it too. Because I had one of those, I had a ghost in my house, childhood home. And Phil knows he had a hat. There's always that hat man. I don't know why. Everybody has a story about a hat man. And yeah. he always had a hat on. He was not nice. But there have been times that a couple of friends have seen him. And I don't think they really ever came back. <laughs> and that's validation, you yeah. know, that's good for us to hear. Yeah. Yeah. It really because is. even where, where you guys live, you guys see things all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. I'm in the actual room where the activity is. Every time you turn your head, I'm like, oh, no, what is he looking at? <laughs> I'm in the actual room, yeah. No joke, like this is the room. <laughs> but it's interesting, you know, um, you know, this kitchen ghost and loved ones. I mean, um, have you ever spoke to someone that crossed over that a grandparent or uncle or? In the dream, in dreams I do. Um, when my brother died, I had a continuous dream for about three months that we would be walking around the block where I lived. It would be my dad, me and him. And the wind would be blowing. It was continuous dream. And finally in the dream, he turned around and he said, I didn't commit suicide, but this is what it felt like. And in that dream, he took his hand and hit my chest. And it was like, I was yanked and pulled and it was like a roller coaster ride for a brief moment. And then I felt, and he told me he did not commit suicide. It was accidental. Oh, oh wow. After, yeah, after that happened, it was really interesting because he started to get younger in my dreams. Mm -hmm. And then we were in the old apartment where we were teenagers and he would cry on my shoulder. And then as soon as he got younger, like in his 20s, the dreams became less and he left. So in a dream state, I do. Um, if they're walkthroughs and they have something to say, it's usually a feeling I get. And then I will hear them sometimes. But sometimes I tell them to leave because I'm not ready to talk to them. Yeah. It's like, do there's the door. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you cannot yeah. stay. <laughs> and I want yeah. you to stay. You didn't come with the house. You have to leave. <laughs> Do you ever have, have dreams where there's people in your dreams that you feel like you know, but you kind of like don't know? Things like yeah. that? Yeah. I think everybody, because we're, we're so open in our sleep. Um, and I think some people work spiritually in their sleep too with mm -hmm. others sometimes because we're so open and they can communicate with us much better at least that's how i feel yeah yeah i agree i think they they can be themselves without the hard work of appearing i think 
for them to show themselves physically, I think is probably a lot of energy for them. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree. The dream state, especially for myself too, they come through. Um, loved ones come through. And when you're at the relaxed state and you go out to the astral plane, the spirit realm, there's an easier connection there. And um, it's great because, you know, you can make contact with loved ones. You know, I believe what you're saying, like your brother, that's a spiritual connection. He's showing you something. He's telling you something. Um, yeah, and that's the best way of communication, right? Yeah. And we were very close. So those dreams, I couldn't wait to go to sleep to see him. Wow. You know, I'd be like, yeah. oh, yay. Yeah. <laughs> That was Definitely. nice. Now I don't see him, and once in a while he'll make an appearance, but it's very brief. Yeah. But that, so, and you said like when you were in your 20s, it kind of like slowed down, right? Yeah. It, yeah, the younger he, he got. Yeah, that, that's always puzzled me. Um, that, that's happened to me too. Like once I started getting older, I wouldn't have dreams of loved ones anymore. I wonder why that is. Very strange. I think we, um, I know when I'm not stressed and caught up in things, our abilities, I think, are more available to us. Yeah. And when we're stressed, it's kind of like, you're like this the whole time. Yeah. And you so cannot relax. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, that makes sense. So you're saying like, when we get older, we get stressed out and lives and everybody's busy yeah. and. And yeah, make, it makes sense. Phil, are you okay down there? I'm fine. I'm listening. <laughs> I'm like, is it there? <laughs> it's mission by yourself. No, yeah, no, it is interesting. But um, the dreams that I love, like you know, you said you couldn't look, wait to go to. I, I, up until this day, I have spirit beings in my dreams that some I don't even know, and then some loved ones come through, and it's fascinating. That's a good way of communication. Um, songs are a good way of communication, music. Mm -hmm. Thinking about those that crossed over and, and then bringing them in through vibration of music that they used to like is another way of, of um, form of validation too. But it's important out there for the listener because in these hard times, we're all losing people we love. And, you know, I tell people that, yes, you can communicate. You may not see them physically anymore, of course, but the spiritual part of them and your spirit part still connect. Mm -hmm. So when you leave the physical emotions behind and you cross over and want to connect spiritually, that's the best way to do it. And then you can get that validation and communication with the other side. And having said that now, you know, it's an, it's such an, uh, open topic of you know you have different planes of loved ones and then we have aliens and then we have demons and then we have angels there's just so much going on and if you really think about it we're on a little rock in the middle of nowhere the earth right in the middle of nowhere in a galaxy of nowhere so who are we to say truly that we're alone and we know everything because the truth is we don't no. There's just so much more out there that we don't know. Um, we're a grain of sand. 
It's all we are. It's all the earth is. Mm -hmm. And the big scope of things, it's a grain of sand. So then that will tell you that how many grains of sands are out there. Mm -hmm. How many other planets of other life forms are out there and that do exist. And um, people who have these encounters, you know, I believe that there's another earth, very similar to ours, a bigger one. I, I don't know why I believe it, but I believe it to be true that we're not the only ones like us. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I think um, it almost would be an injustice to think we're the only ones in the universe. I think it yeah. would be a huge injustice. And whatever the visitors are, and I, I, I tend to call my experience visitors. I don't know if they're dimensional or from another planet. Um, right. All I know is something happened. And I can't explain it. And to this day, I even as a little kid, I look back, looking down at that window going, how are you up here? How are you suspended? And it just wasn't a child's imagination that was so real. And so different. I definitely believe, yeah, we just cannot be alone in the universe. We're, we're not we're not just the piece of glitter. There's thousands of other kinds of glitter out there. Most definitely. Most yeah. definitely. I agree. Um, have you ever had an encounter where you felt uneasy? Where yeah, maybe something felt unfriendly? Um, I lived in Texas, in Austin. I was 19 at the time. And we went from Austin to the ocean, um, Galveston. And there was a patch, almost desert-like. And we were coming back from the ocean back to Austin. And the person I was with at the time knew. He was always on easy certain times of the night, sometimes when I would say, I just don't feel right, something's going to happen. And we were in the car and we pulled over. And it was a desert-type area. There's no one around. All of a sudden, I sat up. And I was like, if you, we got to go, we, and I'd never been so frightened in my life. I said, whatever it is, it's coming and it's going to get me. We've got to go. And I started crying. I begged him. I said, we've got to leave here. Something's going to happen. Finally, he, he drove and he goes, you're scaring me. I'm like, I'm scared to death. And we finally found a town. I needed to get out of that desert. I don't know what was going to happen, but I could feel, I felt like they were coming. Because there was nobody around and I was frightened. But there were times I remember in my 20s being extremely frightened of what was going to be. Um, and I could sense them better than coming in and out. Now, if I see a bird outside at night, um, mm -hmm. it is the usual. I have a thing for owls ever since I was a little girl. I love owls. Um, and I've seen owls in my window several times throughout my adult life from 16 on. But if I hear a bird, see a bird, I have birds, as you know, but the outside birds, I know something and that frightens me. And it happens less since I'm older now. And I don't want to say this, but I wonder 
if childbearing years they're around you more than not childbearing years. Mm-hmm. And I've always questioned that because as soon as I hit 40, it became less and less and less of experiences. Wow. Now they're having every so often. And I yeah. can sense them now more than I could then. That's so, funny that you said that because for me, it's the other way around. It's like you have you more know, visitors I'm, now. Yeah, I was so tormented that I kind of like blocked off until I probably hit like my late early, I mean, early 40s. And then it was just like, boom. So mm-hmm. it was strange how it works. It, it's interesting because it happens to so many people. Like I've run into more people recently than, than I thought I would saying, yeah, I think something did happen, but I don't know what it was. Yeah. Yeah. And, and everybody's becoming more open to now. It's just, I don't know what's going on, but there's so many people that are really opening up to their gifts more now than ever before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would believe it's a spiritual awakening. It's a universal yeah. uh, cosmic view where people are being awakened. The spirit mind is being awakened and the souls. Um, and then you can see everything, what it really is, especially, unfortunately, all the chaos around the entire globe. Mm. Um, and it makes you wonder if our demise is around the corner. Um, you know, the way things look and, and the way things are prospering right now. Um, in your belief and what you know and your encounters, in your thought process, when we die, where do you think we go? I'm a real big believer in reincarnation mm-hmm. and lessons. Um, I believe no matter what religion you are, if it's for a better good, you're welcomed. And I think we move on. I think we come back again until we don't come back again. So that's what I believe. I believe in the afterlife. Um, I study the goddess religions now. I'm really heavy into that. But I believe one good source, we all go to a good source. I, I, that's just my belief system. But I don't think we die. Absolutely not. And I believe in reincarnation deeply. Oh, I do too. Well, energy cannot be created or destroyed, right? You know, right. And the spirit one time said through, uh, it might have been um, a spirit box or some kind of device. They said, I was asking, what's it like to die? And they go, cut a fingernail off and throw it out in the garbage. And I was trying to make sense out of it. Um, It's just a little piece of you. We're in a shell. They're trying to explain that it's a shell. You walk out of the shell. Um, It's a spirit body. It's all it is. So they were trying to say, we're just like a fingernail, just cut it off and you just keep going. Mm-hmm. You know, you just walk out of that spirit body. And I do believe in reincarnation because, you know, talking about aliens, I've also had an encounter, had a few encounters. And a lot of this stuff is hard for people to grasp. But I remember at 14 years old, Staten Island, New York, I was a nice summer day and about 50 kids out in the neighborhood playing football, baseball, and I'm in the middle of the street. It's a great time, and I'm stopped through a form of telepathy. And this being came through, and I couldn't move. I was, like, frozen, but not ice. I was just, like, a, a form of paralysis. Mm-hmm. And, and through a telepathy, the being was saying, 
are you having a good time in your life? And I, and I talked through my mind, I said, yes. And I knew the voice. It was a, it was, it sounded like a very authoritative 20 year old with a lot of authority, but not from this, this physical realm. And he goes, good, because this is where you will wind up when your life journey is complete. And I was released. And I said my book, and I've talked about this on numerous shows. And what I could tell the people out there, and you talk about reincarnation and a uh, karmic view, I believe what he was trying to tell me was, when I cross over, I'm going to wind up at that exact spot at that exact time, and everything is, is going to exist the exact same way that it did. And it's hard to comprehend because we think of things, we're, we're boxed into, um, well, we have to go here or there when you cross over. He was trying to tell me something. You have to redo it. Yeah. You have to redo starting at that age again. Yeah. That we have you have to redo no. again. Huh? Wait, we have a question that has to do with that. Robert White said, um, was it like being stopped by a brick wall? I guess like when you stopped and you. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And what this being, this higher being, this interdimensional being was trying to say is it's a karmic tide. You, you've made mistakes. you got to start over again. And then, you know, and it's so, it's so um, crazy to think about the possibilities of that. But when we think about the Mandela effect and how some of us think some things were away and others say, no, it wasn't that way like logos and cartoons and labels. Right. That is telling me that we go on different dimensions without even realizing it. So I think what this being was trying to say is draw a circle of an earth. Now draw another circle and another circle outside of that circle. You're just going through dimensions. That would make sense. Makes a lot of sense. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I had a friend that was in the military and I asked him about UFOs. He goes, nothing space and interdimensional beings that can do that. I would like to know why we're always feeling paralyzed when they're around. Hmm. Huh. That's very uncomfortable to me. Yeah. It's uncomfortable, but it seems like they're giving you some kind of a download of information at the same time, because maybe that's the only way they can download the information into us. Now, I'm going to tell the listener out there, UFOs are real. You know, and, and it was a big controversy. No, they're demons. Well, demons don't build spaceships. Sorry. And it's all over the news. Uh, NASA has it. Our military sees these crafts. We cannot explain it. It's not a foreign adversary because that technology goes way back to the 40s. So we didn't even have that stuff going around, that they can do these um, dimensional shifts in time with these crafts above water and below water. It's impossible. Therefore, it always was. And if it always was, then these are maybe what the, um, the Egyptians talked about, the gods, 
Um, when the great pyramids were built, the gods, they've had help, they've had knowledge. We still cannot build a pyramid today. We can't do that pyramid. Um, Same thing with the Aztecs. If, yeah, so you got to think about it. If we can't do that today and we can't, then who's to say that we're the most advanced species on the earth? No, we're not. <laughs> Look at all the chaos we do. We're not. <laughs> it's true. Oh, we are our worst enemy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're very destructive. And I think they're trying to warn us. Yeah. You know, I really do. I don't think it's all. I, and it's been a message over and over to many people. You know, they're trying to help us. They're trying to do this or doing that. Weather patterns, that could have been a warning to global warning. Yeah. I mean, I, as a kid, I didn't know what that was about. And I don't think any kid would at the time. But now I look back on it and you think about it. Why would they show you weather patterns or whatever mm -hmm. it was? And I'm not, you know, I'm not claiming I have the answers, but it, it, it's undescribable the feeling, as you guys know, to be in that position where you can't move and you're stuck. <laughs> it feels like you're stuck and you have to listen <laughs> and you have to participate yeah. whether you want to or not. Yes. No. That's a really good way of putting it. You have to participate yeah. if you want to or not. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that's well, why I, I believe it's downloading information. That's that's the way I, I, I would perceive it as through my experience and um a lot of testimonies out there of people who are brought back into a form of um a state where you know they're brought back in time. Uh, through a mental transition, where were you, what happened, and what information were you getting from whoever? Um, and, and, you know, let's talk about Edgar Casey, right? Mm -hmm. He worked for the government. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he was known as the sleeping prophet as well. He did some amazing going, predictions. And this is going back to, like, the 18, well, he was born in the 1800s, correct? We're going back. Um, he, I know he was around in the 30s. Okay. Um, and the foundation was built in Virginia. It's in Virginia. I do know that. And I guess, I know he did work with the government at some point. But he, people would seek him out for healing, for illnesses. He predicted World War Two and Three. And three. But we have choices. Yeah. He even said, we have choices, um, which hopefully we're making the right ones. <laughs> hopefully. Because <laughs> I do not want to live through a world war. Not with the technology we have now. That would not be fun. No. You know, world no, war no, one, world war two were bad. Yeah. And I don't want to be obliviated. <laughs> and maybe that's yeah. why they're visiting more. You know, trying to stop well, us from our own destruction. Yeah, because that's true. Because you know, you hear about the um, they see them hovering over our nuclear sites. They're able to shut it down, which was testified about a year ago. It was all over the news. There's something shut the uh, nuclear sites down in the United States. We don't know what it was. Um, 
So maybe they try to protect us in such a way, you know, because let's face it, if there was a World War Three, nothing exists. That's yeah. it. That's it. Nothing. That's the end of it. Yeah. So, yeah, that whole prospect always makes me nervous. I don't even like talk about it. I don't want to put that energy out there into the world. No. I don't. Yeah. No. But, no. But what I can tell people is this. Through my knowledge and through knowing that ghosts and spirits and entities and there's so many different realms, the physical part may not exist, but the part of you always exists. I, I asked a psychic one time many, many years ago. I said, well, if the earth was blown up, would the earth still exist? And the answer is yes. And the answer is yes, because you made the earth exist. Because nothing is solid. We're all energy. And we're, we're vibrating on such a high frequency that you created everything through a consciousness. So we're all collective consciousness, each and every one of us, barring a suit. And the suit is the shell that we're in. And it's what you create when you go over. And I think that some of these these this information that beings try to tell us, we should take it and write it down because um, it's factual information, mm-hmm. what they're trying to say. Now, again, are they malevolent aliens? I've heard of that. I have never experienced anything like that. You know, some people say that they walk amongst us. Some people say that they look just like us, which would make me think that, um, we're being duplicated in such a way. Yeah. And if you have that technology to fly those crafts the way you do since the 1940s, then you have that technology to recreate us. Right. It's really interesting because you, I've heard a couple speakers say that they're drawn to us because of what we are our belief systems, how we die and we continue. Now, whether that's true or not, and that's, I thought that was so interesting the way they said that, that they're interested in our spirituality, that when Mm. we die, our energy carries on. Mm, So when I heard that, that kind of made me perk up because maybe in their dimension, maybe they just don't believe in that or they don't understand that. Wow. So I thought that was a really interesting thought too that someone really put out is. there. And a scary one in a way. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Weigh my options here. <laughs> Good, let me see if we can get to one more. I think that they got it right in the Matrix movies where they say humans are a virus. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Maybe. <laughs> we are in a lot of ways. I might say we are. I, I kind of agree with what he's saying. Yeah. Oh, yep. man. Well, the thank woods, you. The forest. Questions. I mean, yeah, definitely. The elementals might come out and say we are. Yeah. We Fascinating. Such, it, it, there's such a broad topic of so many different areas. 
of learning and discovery. And, and, and what we do know is that spirits do exist. Yeah. Um, we d exist on multiple levels of dimensions, whether we realize it or not, and we probably don't even realize it. Um, it it's fascinating. And you know, some people believe what? that when you die, you wake up. That's a big belief. When we die, we wake up, actually, because right now we're sleeping. That's Absolutely. a big belief. And then you yeah. end up with more questions, right? <laughs> more questions and more questions. Yeah, I do believe we, we have... Get to the animals, how funny they're acting lately, right? Uh, yeah. The outside animals, even inside all the animals. Just... Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, that makes me sad because I'm real connected to animals. I have five. Mm -hmm. I have mm -hmm. my bird, my two dogs, my cat, mm -hmm. another bird. <laughs> but yeah, mm -hmm. animals, they know something's going on. The earth is changing. Look what just happened in Turkey. Very sad. And our hearts and prayers go out to the people in Turkey and Syria. It's very hard. In fact, you know, all over the world, all these uh catastrophes happening it's you know there are no words we could just put out prayers and energy and then try to help people in, in the best ways that we can going through this very very sad we're coming to the end of the show um so i want you to tell our listener out there like give them some words of inspiration on paranormal and the belief that you have mm -hmm. I have one word to say, you know, acceptance. You have to accept who you are and you have to accept mm -hmm. what is around you. It's just part of us. And if we're open, you'll receive the messages you need. You don't need to be frightened. Please don't be frightened. Talk to other people. Mm -hmm. Talk to Julia. Talk to Phil. Communicate with me. Yes. Mediums and readers are willing to help if they're the legit. They will help you. You have nothing to fear. This is why we all do this. We, we're here to help. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Where can people find you? Oh gosh, I'm, I'm so easy. Facebook, Instagram, DD Moonflyer, um, um, SoundCloud. My shows are on um, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Apple. And my email address is boxingswan at gmail. B O X I N G S W A N at gmail and my website will be up really soon awesome i was on your show i had a great time um you're a great host and i know julia and i think we're going back on to your show yeah. you're right. going to be on my live show twilight tonight i'm really looking yeah. forward because you guys are amazing thank you so much and that was a beautiful ending to the show thank you Most definitely. thank you all right well guys thank you guys Thank you so much, everybody, for listening tonight. Um, special thank you to Carnation for fully sponsoring the show. We love them. They've been sponsoring Horsefly Chronicles Radio from day one. Um, please join us next Monday night at the same time on the United Public Radio Network on 105.3 FM from New Orleans. And don't forget, we're on the Roku channel now, too, as well. Um, stay tuned for Trish Moe with The Missing Peaks. Awesome. Everyone have a safe, great night and keyword, believe. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye, Thank you so much.